2: All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
0: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per
3: month.
2: Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: Started right now. And hey, we're trying to get Dave Harrigan to a thousand Twitter followers here. Where are we at right Where now? Where are we at? Come on. Last I checked, nine ninety three. Oh come on, Let's refresh it. Come hang on, on, drum, hang roll. on, on. drum roll. Board says
0: drum roll, roll. at nine ninety three. No. Oh no, oh. Oh. clearly you don't we'll have, have as much cards as you thought you I do. I got Phil. you four.
1: I got you four. You got me six. We'll six. On big on morning, big for Harrigan. Hold on.
0: Ding ding. Camper. Dozier will get the lead runner, and because Martinez runs so slowly, they get the double play. Ooh, 9.94. A heck of a performance here tonight <laughs> by Lance Lynn. So it's baby steps, but he took a big step forward here tonight. Uh, it felt good to the end. Uh, when you hit a guy and walk a guy. It, uh... Really puts a damper on a on pretty good outing up until then. So, uh, you know, there's still work to do. Um, it's not as good as it can be, but uh, it's a lot better than it's been. So I've talked a lot about the command and control. That's um, been an issue for him. It wasn't a factor tonight through a lot of strikes. Um, I know he wasn't happy to, to walk his last hitter of the night. Um but overall, you know, again he he protected the bullpen, um scoreless game for a while, but he kept putting zeros up for us and gave it gave us a chance.
1: Okay, we I feel like we need to reset expectations for Lance Lynn here. We need to have a come to Jesus meeting with Lance Lynn. If you had just parachuted in and and witnessed the 7th inning of last night's game and you saw the Twins have a pretty big lead, Lance Lynn's on the mound still Yes. In the 7th inning, which yep. is a rarity this season. Yep. And, uh, and that yep. his yep his ERA has gone from like the mid-7s. He's shaved a run, maybe more off the ERA. This has been a good night. And he hasn't allowed a run yet. I don't care that it's mostly a quad-A lineup of Tigers hitters. And he gets yanked after he kind of loses it, runs out of steam, goes back to the dugout, and freaks out mm-hmm. and is screaming into his glove. I'm like, dude, what do you... Just enjoy your life, man. And you're getting paid twelve million dollars. He looks so miserable, even when he gives up zero even runs when in six are going and well, six and Dude, take from breath. He doesn't look
3: like he's having fun. Yeah, I was uh, I was very surprised for a guy who now is uh, has two wins. And by the way, he's beaten the White Sox and Tigers. Got to start somewhere, right? But that's fine. But you pitch like he did last night. I think the meltdown unnecessary. I saw the old oh good. In fact, Burt said that. I like that. I like the fire. Okay, the fire is fine if you are if you've won let's say six or seven games and you are just a clear cut ace and you're saying to yourself I'm an ace and I can't go out this way. But I feel like the fire is somewhat fraudulent. And by the way, too. And this is said as a guy who has has certainly carried m- more weight th- than he needs to throughout. The course of his life and has yo-yoed <laughs> in weight. If you're going to be Lance Lynn, so I mean, right now, if you're if you're plump jolly guy, eh, the melting down thing looks weird. I don't know if he's jolly. Well, no, he's has not. He ever been, do we know that he was not. he jolly in St. Louis? He's not. But what I'm saying is, Lance Lynn looks like life should be fun. Lance Lynn needs to have more fun. Lance Lynn needs to ease off the uh, the the yelling at the ground, dropping f bombs, throwing his hat, and Lance Lynn. If you are going to, if things have gone as poorly as they have throughout the course of the first two months so far, things went really well last night. Enjoy it, Lance. Yeah, like to, to
1: pour a glass of wine when you get home. Um, are there really any like a, like adult, adult big people who are jolly, like jolly fat people? I feel like Besides Santa Claus? The jolliness either comes, you either have to be older or like young and oblivious but there's like in your 20s or 30s it's as if uh there's just too much shame and people insecurity i, I don't know if it's possible to be 30 years old and jolly and fat maybe i'm wrong on i that.
3: feel like you can be okay i feel like he's you not can one have fun. of those people. no he's not
1: i wouldn't call him jolly but
3: but last night was was a definite step in the right direction for Lance Lynn. and i felt the meltdown i didn't look at the meltdown and say Good for him. I looked at the meltdown and said, Lance, something yeah. finally went right. Enjoy the fact something
1: went right. Uh, to, to his credit, so his two wins have come and had pitcher wins. Take him or leave him. They don't. It's it's a team win. If you pitch well and, and your team loses, it's not your fault. But his second game of the year, you could say this might have been one of his best starts of the year too. He he only went five against the Astros, but that's a loaded lineup. gave up no runs in five endings, struck out nine. So I put that up there too. He's had really. Three good starts mm-hmm. so far for the twins mm-hmm. in the in the nine. So three out of nine starts, you'd say, yeah, I, I would take that. Only one of them, he didn't get the win against Houston. But if this is a sign, he's had two out of his last four, and if he can just give you six decent innings as a number 4, number 5 guy, it's a short-term contract. Be very calm. But Irvin Santana's coming back at some point here in yep. the
3: next, what, three weeks or so? Well, I think he's making a, a rehab start, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it might be today uh, at AA. So he's come so, he, yeah. in, in the next couple of weeks, he's going to be back.
1: And they're going to have to figure out there's only five rotation spots unless they want to get creative and go six. Fernando Romero's yeah. not going anywhere. I think can... Jose Barrios ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Gibson's been pitching well. Mm-hmm. Jake Odorizzi, it's it's basically Lance Lynn's spot. And last night, he pitched well enough. You'd take that on a nightly basis. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right, let's talk about... Ding, ding. The, the NFL well. We'll get
2: to it. NFL owners appeared Tuesday to move closer to a resolution on that thorny issue of National Anthem protest. We do know from talking to sources that owners are discussing multiple possibilities. Some favor letting individual teams make the decision. Some favor a league-wide rule requiring players to stand. And then off of that, obviously, how do you enforce it? Do you impose a 15-yard penalty if uh, if a player kneels for the National Anthem? Do you fine him? Is there a suspension in play? A lot of different things have been brought up on this. Wednesday morning, from what we are told, it looks like they're going to pick this discussion back up against Stan, and they might finally come with up with some kind of resolution.
1: That was Dan Graziano from ESPN. How do we feel about NFL owners discussing this week... NFL owners throwing out the idea of penalizing teams that have players who kneel for the national anthem before the game with 15-yard penalties.
3: We actually have breaking news on this very topic right now. Hold on a second.
2: Yep, Let's make I'm this waiting. official. I'm waiting
3: for this you. This is breaking news. Breaking in news. The opening bell. Tweet from this is rare. We rarely have breaking news. I know. Uh, tweet from
1: Seth Wickersham of ESPN. Let me guess. Instead of penalizing teams with 15-yard penalties, they're just going to tase you if you even have the wrong socks. How'd you know? Is that what it's going to be?
3: Owners right now, Seth tweets, expected to vote on a proposal that would remove requirement for players to be on the field for the National Anthem, allow them to stay in the locker room if they wish, but will fine clubs, not players, if, quote, Personnel do not show proper respect for the flag and the oh, anthem. Proper,
1: proper respect. So we are now. Okay. Going, so
3: we are now going to have to define proper respect for not only the anthem God. but also the American flag.
1: How are, are we the most insecure country when it comes to patriotism? I don't want to. I guess I don't want to get into like a huge political debate here. But so for God's numbers. sakes, like what? Just if. Here okay, here's what it should be. Here's what it should be, okay? Okay, go ahead. Just keep all of the players in the locker room for the national anthem. So you don't even have the it, Is that what they're saying or are
3: they saying they you can sa- stay in the locker room if you want to? They're saying if you basically what they're saying is if you're going to kneel, don't come out. Okay, but then keep everyone in the locker room
1: because now you're going to create divisions within teams within the yes. league. So You have very m- welcome, yes. Everyone just stay in the locker room. Yes. The national anthem will play and then the players can come out. And if you want to, this is where if you want to protest things, if the NFL doesn't want you to protest during the national anthem, just have everyone stay in the locker room. And then if you want to express yourself on your Twitter account or Instagram account with 3 million followers that you've built up over time, Mm -hmm. okay, then do whatever you want. I think they should take it a step further, really. I think, I think we, if there's a uniform violation, I think it should, we should just physically harm, just physically harm everybody. Just tasers. If you if you if you fail to properly respect America and the flag, you, you know should what?
3: be. You know what? You know it's what? So you ridiculous. You know what would take a lot of. I'll go a long way to fix this. If the NFL and the owners didn't come off as being so damn arrogant the, and hypocritical, too. But but the NBA long ago put in a rule. That's it. Our players have to stand for the anthem. And when they put that rule in, it was had nothing to do with taking a knee. It had to do with, with the fact that they were concerned the players would continue to stretch and things. And so they said, okay, that's the rule. But the they also turned around, and, and as soon as, as football players started to kneel during the anthem, the NBA turned around and said, but we will work with you in however we can, and we will allow you, let's find a way for you to basically get your point across yeah. without kneeling. The NFL's problem at every damn turn, and it's the anthem, it's the rules they put in, at every turn is we are the adult in the room and we are passing rules and the players will follow. The, in, instead of saying, how can we collaboratively sit down with you and all agree? And all agree on something that's going to help both sides. The NFL, the problem to me goes well beyond this one, the one thing. The problem is Every time the National Football League does something it comes off as the old man pounding the table saying this is how it has to be and never and never accepting that somebody else might have a point of view that's pretty good. Well, I agree but I also think they're in a tough spot. I'm going to I'll concede
1: to the NFL in this regard. They're in a tough spot because their business model for years has been entertaining audiences and then making money off those audiences, right? Like let's just look at their 30,000 foot business model. Let's put people in seats and let's get eyeballs on television sets let's grow those audiences as much as we can charge money for tickets charge money for products and get billions of dollars in advertising revenue and so if something is happening as part of this process on screen or in the stadiums that alienates 40 percent 30 percent 40 percent 50 percent of the target audience I understand why they're hitting the panic button because their business model is at stake, so I, I understand that from a big picture perspective. What's happening though is they're overreacting to a lot of either—I I don't want to say idiot fans. I think this all stems from people thinking that NFL players are taking a need to disrespect the military, and so sure. so fa- so all these fans are saying, "How dare you disrespect?" Like, no. That's not what's happening. They're taking a peak moment. Listen here, whippersnapper. They're taking a peak moment of interest and they're yes. saying, hey, during this peak moment of interest, there are a lot of things that right. we should be talking about over here and we just want to get your attention. But I, that's how protests have been done for centuries. But I, but I feel like, or for at least decades.
3: But I feel like this could be done in, in a much easier manner if the owners weren't trying to screw the players at every single turn. If but there was a relationship there, I feel if they could sit down and say, we get what you're doing. It's hurting us all to a certain degree financially, so let's make it as right as possible. But at every single turn, everything, the owners try and screw the players. And if they had a relationship instead of this one way, things are done our way, we are not guaranteeing, for, for the most part, unless you're a star player and a quarterback, we're not guaranteeing your salaries. We're not going to guarantee this or, or that. That that when these brush fires come up, they wouldn't turn into infernos, but they always do because there's no relationship between the two sides because the owners always want things their way. But and that's understandable because they're trying to protect the business, so
1: I I understand that and and I do I do see I do see their point of view from a big picture perspective. I also think there's a responsibility among fans and people who watch the NFL just just instead of knee jerk reacting overreacting to oh players are kneeling they're ruining my experience and they're disrespecting let's dig a little deeper let's dig a little deeper and than just not, like your knee jerk take that's knee-jerk. not that hard too no. you're right listen to what some of these players yeah. are saying Sure. let's have a discussion even if you disagree at the end of the day let's have a discussion about the actual message not the entry point for the protest mm-hmm. so anyways if it were me this is such a mess now and the way that they're going about discussing solutions i mean the fact that they were thinking about penalizing teams 15 yards if one player takes a knee, and now so now that player wants to make a statement, and now teammates are going to be mad, and I, I just think it's such a mess. Have the players come out after the national anthem, or as a couple people on our Twitter uh, accounts at Phil Mackey at fifteen hundred ESPN, Judd Hugh pointing out, why do we even play the national anthem before sporting events, anyways? Either just play it uh, for the very first game of the season, or don't play it at all. Uh, I've yet to come. We have to go to a movie or a play that had the anthem play before. Think about that again. Let's come back and talk more about this. And sure. we've got there's we got reckless wild speculation to get into, and uh, also we're going to talk to Matt Thomas, friend of AM fifteen hundred. He used to host a show here eight nine years ago, and uh, he's the radio road voice of the Houston Rockets. He'll join us. That was a great game last night. We'll talk about that at ten fifteen. Dan Hayes on Twins, Mackie and Judd from the TCL broadcast studio. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Sit back and relax and enjoy this. On 1500 ESPN.
0: Mackie and Judd now continue. Just press play. On 1500
2: ESPN. Owners appeared Tuesday to move closer to a resolution on that thorny issue of National Anthem protest. We do know from talking to sources that owners are discussing multiple possibilities. Some favor letting individual teams make the decision. Some favor a league-wide rule requiring players to stand. And then off of that, obviously, how do you enforce it? Do you impose a 15-yard penalty if, uh, if a player kneels for the National Anthem? Do you fine him? Is there a suspension in play? A lot of different things have been brought up on this. Wednesday morning, from what we are told, it looks like they're going to pick this discussion back up against Stan and they might finally come with, up with some kind of resolution.
1: All right, we're... We're, I don't know, this might be a rabbit hole that we shouldn't go down here, but you and I are both sort of fired up in different ways about the NFL and the discussions they've had. Let's let's just recap. So the discussion that triggered all these conversations over the past 24 hours was it leaked out that NFL owners were discussing penalizing teams 15 yards if players kneel during the National Anthem.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: think about that. All right, uh, well, holding is going to be 10 yards. A false starter, a flinch is five, and kneeling for the national anthem is going to be three times as expensive in terms of penalty yardage.
3: As a false start, right? That's what they talked about. Yeah.
1: So uh, this, and and do you have the solution that they wound up coming to here? Yes, That's- they're
3: going to. It sounds like the vote is going to be to allow allow uh, players to stay in the locker room during the anthem, but if they come out and they don't mm. observe the anthem correctly, if they are considered to be disrespectful to the anthem or flag the players won't be fined but the teams can be yeah but he, so but here's where here's where this gets incredibly dicey the players who were kneeling for the anthem as as you said last segment never did so to protest the anthem or the or the country or the or to disrespect the flag they did so because of police brutality against black people so if you're a player and and you're still thinking along these same lines You're going to, I would think, especially if, you know, if you're a good player, you're going to be tempted, I would think, that the next instant that happens with the cops to come out and kneel. Because what they're what they're saying is we have confidence that teams will keep their players in line. This is what they're saying. We have confidence that you will keep your players in line, and those who are going to disrespect what we consider to be the anthem will be held in the locker room. It's 2018. No self-respecting player is going to be like, you know, coach, that's, I'm really upset. So today, so, so they are leading themselves down this path. And what's scary about this, and you know, this, what's scary about this entire thing is the league thinks and, and they have done this and it's completely screwed up that they have made their statement. Kaepernick and Eric Reed who are currently suing the league rightfully so because they're not signed the fact that colin kaepernick is not signed is a complete joke and he's not being signed because he's being blackballed and and what the league is now saying is we've come up with this this set of rules confident that coaches and executives will control their players just think about that for a second
1: yes um and i there's so many tentacles off this I I feel like people forget that the American... This is the irony of all this. The American flag symbolizes freedom. It doesn't symbolize military. It symbolizes freedom. And, And it's almost like there's a large group of people trying to twist it into worship. That if you don't worship the flag, then you're disrespecting the country. And I would say, if you don't exercise your freedoms, you're disrespecting the country. Now, I understand why an entity an entertainment entity wants to protect its business model like we talked about in the first segment but a couple people on twitter are bringing up interesting questions like why is it that we patriotize sports so much and we do national anthems before and i'm not saying we shouldn't i'm just i'm just asking the question and by the way 6516468255 if people want to chime in here why do we play the national anthem 162 games for an individual team over the course of a major league baseball season when we don't do that for other forms of entertainment. Isn't that odd? Like you don't go to a movie theater and have the national anthem played. Sports are entertainment, just like movies are entertainment, just like concerts are entertainment. If you go to a, if you go to a, a show at the Orpheum or the Guthrie, they don't play the national anthem before the show. Um, if you listen to a radio show, we don't play the national anthem before our radio show starts. When they're taping an episode of. Of uh, billions on Showtime, they don't play the national anthem yeah. before you start. Right? It's the only place. Yes. So, so why is it? I, I almost feel like we have to get to the root of all of this first. Why it almost feels like sports? Somewhere along the line, these—I and I don't know if it was 2001 after 9/11—they got so in deep. And I know we've been playing the national anthem before baseball games for a hundred plus years. So 1918. Okay, so it's been a hundred exactly hundred years, right? Series is when
3: it started. But it's three, almost yeah. like
1: we've lost sight of. Of the why, and we get so offended when people exercise freedoms that were fought for multiple times over the past three hundred years. And a lot of people ridiculous. And a lot
3: of people said that exact thing uh, when when the protest started. And and I don't think the National Football League. I, I think the two things that really frightened them were were one, Trump came out and said that if a player kneels for the anthem, he should be fired, and then they started to see that they had a lot of their fan base dropping off, but but they're so afraid of the bottom line that that i i think if they had had if they had uh, to my point from before a decent relationship with their players that there could be there could have been a re- resolution here but to me their current idea is a terrible one keep your players in the locker room if they are going to kneel. How what type of message is that? I, I mean, mean that's basically saying that these players that we have confidence that the team will control its players. Yeah. And there, and this is all, and this really isn't even about
1: the players, it's about the audience. They're trying they're trying to make sure that in a stadium of 70,000 yeah. yes, people I agree with you. they're yes. trying to make sure that 30,000 people don't get Offended, yes, offended or turned off to the product
3: because their because their perception is the flag is this sacred thing that's being disrespected by any action that includes sitting, kneeling, not standing for sure six five one six four six
1: eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred David you're on the Mackey and Judge
0: show yeah hi. Fun fun conversation. Again, I thought this topic was long done, but I guess not. Um, we, well,
1: and, and we did too, but now they're trying to find solutions for a perceived problem, so here we are.
0: Um, well, anyway, my point was I did some research on this when it was first going on, and like you said, this all started in a baseball game, and it was a tribute to the military, and at that point I think it was uh, people, guys coming home from or came home from World War One. Yeah. And throughout time, there's been a military color guard. And in, obviously, in some cases, they're flying airplanes over. But I'm not, I'm not saying people are wrong. People get, can protest it. It's just that if I were in the military, I could understand why they might feel a little insulted, even if it wasn't intended that way. Um, and I also, I mean, there's more I can go into. But a bottom line is I, I understand why they're doing it. I understand they want to protest police brutality against black people and i i would think that most uh normal honest people would agree that we need to stop that but i don't i don't agree that this is the way to do it unlike uh, like in 68 in mexico city when the uh two black guys raised their fists in you know because that was directly against what was going on in America? It was America on the stand. Then this is a football game. It Has nothing to do with the USA being, uh, you know, having bad things going on. So I, I guess th- those are my ten cents on it. So anyway, David, Thanks, David, thank you
1: for the phone call. I, as David was was talking there too, I just thought of a compromise. Well, and let me give you an example from a different form of entertainment, because obviously for a hundred years, and it's only built up and built up and built up as. Uh, and and I think it escalated even further after nine eleven when our country was in just such a precarious spot and and we we paused sporting leagues for the first time since probably World War II, right and mm-hmm. it was just a much more patriotic feeling to uh, the relationships in our country. If you like, let's use The Rock Dwayne Johnson as an example. All right, The Rock Dwayne Johnson has multiple millions of social media followers in large part because of the entertainment entities he's worked for WWF back in the day or WWE and then whatever movie companies he's he's done movies for right mm-hmm. so here's the compromise and you never see the rock Dwayne you never see a national anthem before like the like the skyscrapers coming out in July you're not going to see a national anthem at the beginning of that film where the rock Dwayne Johnson takes a knee on Paramount's dime, right? So the compromise is hey, you're gonna be a performer within this realm over here, and your profile will be elevated because of it. Now, we don't want you to use our canvas in which we're trying to build an audience and make money off the audience. We don't want you to use that canvas to paint on, but that canvas will help elevate you as an entertainer. And then on your social media, or on your own time over here, you're allowed to protest. I think that's the compromise we're coming to here. And the NBA is pretty similar, right? The NBA, you don't see players kneeling. In fact, I don't think players are allowed to kneel in the NBA not, or protest, they right? They can't. So kneel the NBA says, listen. The rule. We're our entity yeah. is gonna is gonna lift your profile because right. you because you're such a great basketball player and and the NBA values your talent. We're going to elevate you. In event Like Jimmy Butler, you're going to have 3 million social media followers. And LeBron James, you're going to have 50 million social media followers, whatever it is at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We don't want you to kneel during this two-and-a-half-hour window because we need to preserve this audience. But you're going to be elevated to the point where you can take stands on your own over here, and they're going to be more meaningful because you were associated with the NBA. That seems like the compromise we're headed for
3: in the NFL, and, but, and they're clearly not there yet with the things they've been discussing. But I think for that compromise to come, the, the an NBA, aside from Tibbs, basically, what they do a really good job of is relationships, and it seems <laughs> well, like Let me just do a Tibbs shot in there. Well, I mean, he doesn't, but <laughs> but aside aside from, but aside from Tibbs, that league does a really good job, as far as I, I can tell, and I, I understand that there's a lot... Fewer players in basketball than football, but that league does a really good job of having relationships. So when so when there there is what is perceived as, for lack of a better term, a financial crisis potentially, yeah. they can go to the players and say, let's sit down and talk. Let's sit down. In fact, the NBA did a fantastic job of saying, we know it's on our books that you can't kneel. We never thought of this example previously, but since football players are doing this, let's sit down and talk and what can we do? And they locked arms and they came up with, with ideas and they said, we want, it's very important that, that our players can express themselves. That empowers the players. So I think to your point, that's all well and good, but how you get there is the owners can't be constantly trying to screw the players. And, and in football, that is the perception. And I think it's correct. At every, at every turn, the owners want to win. They never want to compromise. And that's true of their TV deals. And listen, they're enormous. I get it. They are, they are arguably probably the biggest sport in, in the world. And certainly without a doubt, the biggest sport in this country. So I get their power. But if they had a relationship with players when things like this came up, I think it'd be much easier to sit down and, and the other thing is, it's such a fraud that Kaepernick does not have a job. Like when Kyle, when a quarterback didn't
1: the, didn't the results of that collusion study show that several teams thought he was a starting caliber quarterback? I believe too, it did. Saw that come out. But I'm saying, so, there but, is.
3: but how can he not have a job? Like if you're like if you're going to sit down with the players right now and say, let's solve this. Yeah. Let's solve this to to the betterment of you guys and us. Then well, Colin Kaepernick can't be unemployed right now. So I think I
1: think you're right about the difference between NFL owners and NBA owners, and it's it's the difference between di- trying to dictate versus trying to empower. Yes, not that it's like not that all 30 owners or 32 in the NFL are are the same. But those There's, are the perfect words. Yeah, dictating versus empowering, yep. and the but in both cases the leagues are in both cases the leagues would rather you not use the two and a half hour window or three hour window of television time and stadium time. To, for lack of a better phrase, piss off half the audience, mm-hmm. right? Um, and but 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 from that fork in the road, the NFL continues to dictate, and the NBA says, but okay, how can we keep make you happy? How can we? And and I think the, the other difference here too is that the NBA needs those star players. The NFL believes more on the shield than individual players, yes. that their product, hey, guys are going to cycle through and there's always going to be quarterbacks coming through. Yes. A tweet from our loyal listener, uh, Michael McGivern here, and this is interesting and it's it's pretty deep, but it applies to the conversation and the conflict here. And I think it, it's, a, it's a good way to illustrate where fans clash on this as well. The difference between patriotism and nationalism, he tweets in, is that the Patriot is proud of his country for what it does, the nationalist is proud of his country no matter what it does. And that's, I think there's a almost like a philosophical difference in you should respect the flag and the country no matter what. And a lot of people are saying, well, no, 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 like, totally respect the country, but things should be different in this area, this area, this area, and we need some sort of an entry point to start those discussions, right? Right. And it's like we and can't get past that one, entry point.
3: Right, because there's a lot of pe- people who just, the perception of what the players did was they are they are punks and have no respect. That's not it at all. Ka- Kaepernick, to his credit, was trying to start a dialogue about something that, by the way, we should be talking about and he a was, lot.
1: And he did a bad job starting that dialogue. And he too. did.
3: And he did. He he had a lot of missteps, but but you do have to credit him for even trying to start it. Sure. And and in retrospect, if he could go back, I'm sure there's a lot of things that could be tweaked. It could be different, mm-hmm. uh, but he also had the idea that I've got to do something drastic here to start a dialogue that should be, be going on, but is not. The problem is a lot of people just immediately said he disrespects the entire mm-hmm. country. Believe him. And if you're him, don't wear pig's Don't wear. No, he but, did a lot of. You know. Yes.
1: Uh, bulletin I, board I, yeah. asks the most important question of the segment on Twitter here. Phil, why do you pronounce the word worship as warship?
3: I don't know. Why? Why well, do what's I mine? Pre- pedestal I said instead of pedestal or something? Worship. War, I've got problems
1: too. Worship. War. Worship? Worship. Worship.
3: There you go. Worship. War, no, no. It's not a battleship. It's not a destroyer. It's a worship. Worship. There you go. Like almost like it's a worship. Okay. I okay. got it.
1: Worship. Okay, I'm going to work on that. You know, <laughs> I think there is one thing we can all agree on. That Luther Brookdale Toyota is the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. At least most of us. At least it's not quite as divisive as the topic we just talked about for like a half hour there. I'm with you. Uh, I think the biggest choice you're going to have to make at Luther Brookdale Toyota right now is about which SUV you want to get into. Do you want to get into a lease on a RAV4? Do you want to get into a financing plan on a Highlander, a little more spaciousness? That Highlander, 0% financing for 60 months right now. Uh, The RAV4, I've been talking your ear off about that for a couple weeks here. The 2018 RAV4 is uh, one of the best SUVs in the world, one of the most durable SUVs in the world. It has the spaciousness of an SUV, but the handling and the feel of more like a Camry or a Corolla. And you can get into one of those right now. I'm, I I prefer leases right now myself. I've been going through a lease phase the past several years. And you can get into a three-year lease for just $259 per month. And that's uh, no money down at signing. So you, you literally walk in, you test drive it. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. Beginning of the year, they struggled a little bit to find some chemistry, but they're very close friends. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. <laughs> reckless speculation. All right, let's roll up our reckless speculation sleeves here, Judd. Always you enjoy I, it. We aired yesterday the uh, new Wild GM press conference, Paul Fenton, and he was... Pretty open. He wasn't specific about the things he was going to do, but he was pretty open saying, I'm going to look to be aggressive in the trade market. And uh, and the Predators, Where I, and it's hard to say, was he 50% responsible? Was he 10% responsible? Are they hiring based on just sort of proximity to a successful franchise and, and the relationship he already has with Craig Leopold? All of those things will play out over time. But knowing what you know about what the Predators did, and Paul Fenton was the second man in that front office, and they built up one of the best teams in the NHL. Are there things that you can speculate
3: on, perhaps recklessly, Oh, completely. That the Wild might look to pull the trigger on? In fact, Phil, my, my reckless speculation on this very topic started yesterday at 1500ESPN.com when I sat down.
0: Reckless speculation! And
3: I think in this case of reckless speculation, what you need to start with is one simple word. That's the word tweak. Let's go to the dictionary. tweak is defined as to change slightly, especially in order to make something more effective or correct. Okay. So to change slightly, to change slightly now, now what you don't, what you can't interpret when an owner in this case, or a new GM uses the word tweak, what you don't know is how many tweaks are to come because I could tweak things. I could tweak a lot of things. And all of them would be making slight changes, but if you add them up in totality, I have just changed the face of your franchise potentially. Let me run past, run past you four examples of, I guess what you could call tweaks that Paul Fenton was involved with, uh, with the Predators, whose GM was David Poyle. So these are, these are tweaks that Fenton certainly had a say on. He wasn't the final trigger man, but he had a say on. Sure. 2013 National Hockey League trade deadline, the Predators sent a veteran forward by the name of Martin Erat, who had been with them for quite some time, and a young center, Michael Latai, I believe his name is pronounced, okay. to the Washington Capitals for a top prospect. Young man's name was Philip Forsberg. Oh, That tweak in the last four years has resulted in regular season goal totals of 26, 33. 31, and 26 goals. And Forsberg has become a star player, and that's one of the most... That's a Brock Briglio type of trade. That's almost as many goals as Jason Zucker. <laughs> Shut up. But you know but you know what that is? That's a tweak. That's just tweak number one. Uh, the second trade I'm going to give you is more than a tweak, but it's not a lot of players. It's a one-for-one deal, but it is a mega deal, and it speaks to the type of trade that takes big cojones to make. June 29th, 2016... Shea, Shea Weber had been a defenseman with Ryan Souter in Nashville. And after Souter left here, um, or left for here, Weber signed an offer sheet with the Flyers that the Predators were forced to match. And this made it look like this guy was going to be a Predator for life. But on June 29th of 2016... Which sounds terrible out of the sports context. <laughs> yes, it does. Weber was traded to the Montreal Canadiens for P.K. Subban, who is a star defenseman who is a great player, who is a marvelous player, who has been fantastic and an integral part of the Predators' success that took them to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017. Uh, the next tweet comes in January 2016 when the Predators sent a very good young defenseman, his name was Seth Jones, who, by the way, is the son of f- uh, former NBA player Popeye Jones, Okay. to the Columbus Blue Jackets for center Ryan Johansson, who, by the way, while GM Chuck Fletcher was in uh, talks to obtain as well. And then the fourth trade comes last November when a team that, keep in mind, had been to the Stanley Cup finals aggressively gets involved in what was a three-team trade with uh, with the Avalanche and the Senators that landed center Kyle Turris from Ottawa in Nashville and then signed him immediately to a three-year $36 million deal. My point being is these are all separate trades, and I guess you could consider a few of them to be tweaks, but i'm not buying the i'm not buying the fact that fenton is here for a tune up i think when they talk about tweaks what they are saying is we are going to potentially tweak a lot of guys off this roster
1: were there any of those players and maybe you have to go look deeper at this but any of the players he traded from nashville that they have no move clauses that they waived cuz isn't that going to be one of the weber, biggest questions
3: actually that's a great that's a great point and i think weber might have so you'd have to go in if I think I think he might have. Because yes. the
1: three guys that are the most in question would be the three guys that were at the press conference yesterday, right? Miko Koivu, Ryan Suter, and Zach Parise. Yes. I mean, wouldn't you? Don't you think if you're looking to shake up the culture and you're looking to even get a little bit younger, maybe you're not going to trade. If you had Miko Koivu wave his no-move no clause, I, A, I don't know if he... Would even entertain that, and I don't think you'd get much. I don't much... know what you would get for him. He's yeah. thirty-five years old. Yeah, but I
3: think that's probably but accurate. That,
1: but aren't those the conversations you are going to have to have? You are going to have to go to those agents. Maybe not those three guys alone, but can you can you make the necessary tweaks or moves without
3: tapping into the no move clause collection of players? Well, the problem is probably you probably can't because Suter and Parisi, their contracts are so large. Still, I think they both got. I looked this up yesterday. I want to say seven years left. That's a lot. It's a lot of cash. That's crazy. I would say Pseudo Parisi and Koivu. Now, now KoiVu was signed to a two year extension that's going to kick in this coming season. I would say, in reality, even if you got them to move to waive their no move clauses, you can't trade them. But I will give you this Granland, Nino, Stahl, Coyle, Zucker, Spurgeon, Brodeen, I think all get chopped. They, they not they are not all going to be traded. But I think they are all shopped. And if you are, so, so in some ways, what, what the Wild has done now is they're asking Fenton, they're saying, you're coming as a longtime employee from a successful team. You're in our division. Take your blueprint and put it on top of our team, right? And I think what that is, is a much more aggressive. Chuck had a tendency to a large extent. I, I always thought to be, and he, he loved to trade draft picks because he, fall in love with his players. I think what we are going to see now is an aggressive shopping of players that's going to lead to and it might not be it might not be before the season starts, but into next season I think you're going to see an aggressive aggressive nature that sees at least the seven players I gave you all shopped.
1: Well, Jonas Brodin's a great example because when he he was like 19 years old when he made his NHL debut, this is now what 5 years ago. And not that he's not a good, solid defenseman. He's a good player, but he's he was touted at nineteen, twenty, twenty-one as the, at some point he's just going to be flat out the best defenseman on this team. Even though Suter's under contract for another decade, right? That's that's how he was painted in his first two or three years in the NHL. He's fine. He's fine. But you trade. But him. you build these guys up. Yep. And obviously, if if you could have, and he's been in the league for six years now, parts of six years. Yep. If you looked six years into the future and you knew that okay, he's like he's a good defensive defenseman. He's not really gonna he might score you a few goals. He's, but a, he's not a great two way. He's defenseman. an extremely
3: solid player.
1: Yes, you would absolutely have shopped him two or three years ago if you thought you could cash in on the perception of what he could be. Right. Mm-hmm. But now that he's twenty four, not that there's not more more room to grow. And sometimes defensemen can be late bloomers. Right. You can play a little bit longer. And yeah. speed's not as much of a factor. But like a guy like Jonas Brodeen, I would have zero issue
3: shopping or trading. Or Granland? Or Coyle? There, there's gonna be teams that now now I Needre? My my contention is I actually put Coyle in a package of players because I think coming off the season that, that he had, his value is going to be fairly low. But I do think that if you packaged him with a Granland, it could get you something. It's just be careful of what the wild tells you in in the sense that, that w- when they say tweak, the immediate response is, what, this roster tweak? I think it's far more important what Fenton saw and, and was a part of in Nashville than what he tells you now. I think when he says, when he sees, because what is Leopold going to say? If he gets up to the podium on Tuesday and says, we're gonna blow this sucker sky high. I'm looking a, at
1: you three right yeah, there in the yeah, background. Right,
3: I, I never should have signed you. And what yeah, what was Fletcher thinking, Miko, when he gave it the extension? So I think they're telling I think they're trying to walk the tightrope of let's let's appease the fans who are PO'd by by firing Chuck and hiring Fenton. But let's not get the fans who who have bought in since uh, at least Parise and Suter got here. Let's not tell them we're going to blow this entire thing up and and now we're potentially going to miss the playoffs. So I think there's a very fine line to walk here. But what Fenton did in Nashville, or what he was a part of, speaks way more than what he tells you. Reckless speculation. That was great. That was a good session right there. Good session, you like right that? There. Reckless speculation with some backing it up. Yeah,
1: uh, we're gonna get to uh, Matt Thomas here in about thirty minutes. The radio voice of the Houston Rockets. That series tied at two last night. Dan Hayes on Twins at eleven thirty. We'll catch up with our nervous Capitals fan friend Chris Long, sweating out Game Seven tonight. And I've got a stat that is
3: really not going to make Chris happy.
1: Well, let's do that when we come back. Right. too. we can we can deliver it to him later in the show. Uh, the Chris Lindahl team is uh is doing some amazing things behind the scenes right now at chrislindall.com to help you open up a vault of available housing options. So you go through and you and you go look online at the standard MLS options and you're you're in the market to buy something, and there's actually thousands more homes available than you think when you just go that route. The Chris Lindall team has an exclusive way to tap into that huge market so you can get over that cellophobia, which is hey, I'm gonna sell my home and uh, because it's a seller's market, it's going to go probably pretty quickly. Especially if the Chris Lindahl team is in charge of of uh, putting it out there to the public. What's that gap look like? Am I going to be able to buy something and and time up the move, or am I going to have to get to a transition home? The Chris Lindahl team gives you thousands more options and available homes than when you just go online the old fashioned way. That's why they're America's number one Remax results team. ChrisLindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh, well, that just makes my
0: nipples hurt. <laughs> <laughs> on 1500
1: ESPN.
0: Get your Independence Day off to a running start with the Red, White, and Boom TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K on July 4th. Come out to Boom Island Park for this Twin Cities summer tradition. Get your first run well, and the first picnic, I should say, under uh, of the holiday under your belt. If you're at the lake or out of town, that's no problem. You can do the virtual
3: red, white, and boom wherever you're at. For more details and to register, visit 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events.
1: All right, what's this statistic you speak
3: of? Uh, Washington Capitals, in their history, game sevens. (laughs) In their history, in the decisive game, in the playoffs, the Washington Capitals are Four and eleven, including one and three on the road. The lone win uh, coming in overtime against the Boston Bruins back in 2012, and of course they are playing Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight at Tampa. So I'm sure Chris Long is going to be very nervous about this game to start off with, and uh, his team four and eleven in Game Sevens. See, you know how far does that history go back though? Oh, it goes this, way this back. is like
1: where my where I'm conflicted. I'm just my piling theory. on. I'm piling on here. But I think this is where my theory comes into play. Where some of these franchises like the Vikings and the Capitals. You could say on one hand, okay, well, if that 4-11 record goes back to rosters that were completely different in the 80s and the 90s, then it shouldn't matter. But then I think there's this other component where fans and media who've been following that franchise for generations, for yep. thirty, whatever, 30 years, yep, and, it's, and for players and coaches to say that that feeling of angst doesn't trickle in a little bit, in the way that fans interact with players on Instagram or now, Lou, Twitter. Or, Lou
3: tried to tell us it didn't last week, right? Because we, yeah, we agree that it does. I think
1: it's easier for it to seep in now than ever before. Think about all the ways that that fan and media angst could seep in now that weren't even possible like 20 years ago. Social media. I think people are just more connected now than they were before. So to say, it, if you if you're like a 25-year-old hockey player and you're on social media and there's a fan base of people that have had their hearts broken and they're nervous and they're and that's the way that they view sports as opposed to say the last 15 years of the Patriots where it's this expectation that you're going to win championships i think I don't know if it's five percent or fifty percent, but I do think it matters to some degree.
3: Do you buy that there is a, a certain pressure going into games like this for the Capitals or the Vikings in the playoffs? That there is a certain pressure because you do have your fan base and people—that's what I am saying—in our jobs, just yeah. constantly talking about that. like this. The players on this current Capitals team certainly aren't responsible for the fact that they've won only four of fifteen games in games sevens throughout the years, but it will be talked about incessantly. Like, it'll, I'm sure it's been brought up for the past day in Washington. Mm-hmm. It's going to be brought up all day today. And so so this goes back to, to the whole thing of who's the pressure on.
1: Okay, I'm going to use a dumb analogy here, okay? Let's say there's a supermarket down the street that's been open for 30 years. And, and Judd Zolgad is, is in the market to be the new general manager of the supermarket. All right? Wow, really? And you've never even really... You're not even from Minnesota. You just you and your you and Dom moved here from Iowa and you're looking to get a job running a supermarket, okay? And so you have no idea what the history is of the supermarket. You just know that they want to pay you some money and they want you to run their supermarket. And you get there and all of a sudden, like a couple of the other employees that come in and some of the customers that come in, you hear whispers, boy, this place has been terrible for like ten years. It's been on the verge of closing a couple times. Bad culture, what you're saying. Sure. They've been leaking money for a long time, man. This supermarket's been kind of a disaster. You wouldn't hear that or feel that and think, "Oh man, like there's a lot of," or the other way around. Man, this supermarket's been the best supermarket in the Twin Cities for ten <laughs> straight years. In that case, yeah. I feel think, some pressure. A okay, I, I, yeah. Like it would to to say that it wouldn't seep in at all is a lie. I'm not saying Lou Nanny's lying. I'm just saying it's probably different in the '80s and the early '90s than it was, or in the '70s than it is now. That stuff seeps in. Like, LeBron James goes dark on social media. He doesn't post anything, really, throughout the entire NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're telling me he doesn't check his at replies or his Instagram comments on other photos that people are probably still commenting on? You're telling me he shuts off all of it? Now, he's been around long enough. He hears everything anyways. Like he's And he thrives
3: off that stuff. And some guys do. See, this, yeah. is, this is the question of, even if you weren't directly involved in it, does doubt cause problems for you? And for some people, I think it doesn't. But when the doubt is constant, in the case of the Vikings in the playoffs or the Capitals here, that's constant doubt. I think the majority of us start to say, oh, whoa, really? Now, I think you do have your certain, there's a certain small group that doesn't care and can, and they'll say that that they tune that out and they're being sincere and they're not lying to you. I think for the majority of human beings, when you're just confronted with constant doubt, when you're confronted with the fact that your team, your team gets to a certain point and every time they choke, yeah, I think it's got to impact your thinking and it's got to make you potentially press a little bit to say, okay, if I'm going to end this, I'm going to have to do more than I should do. And I think if it's just constant doubt, that can be
1: fuel and you're an underdog. So there's the expectations are lower, but in the case of the capitals, it's not that the expectations are low. The expectations are sky high. Hey, you have a chance and you're playing an expansion team in the Stanley Cup Finals if you win this game. This is if you would have painted this picture for Capitals fans going back three months ago, hey, I know Vegas is having a good season, but if Vegas is in the Stanley Cup Finals and you can meander your way through and you're gonna beat Pittsburgh two rounds before that, oh, how confident would, are you? Oh, you'd say, love it. oh, yeah. Yeah, you would have taken that. For sure. Uh we're gonna we'll talk to our friend Chris Long, who's gonna it's always fun to have someone sweating out a game seven and he's a huge Capitals fan, so he'll join us in the noon hour. Dan Hayes on Twins. He writes about the Twins for the Athletic. He'll join us at 1130. Matt Thomas, voice of the Rockets in about 20 minutes. And Minnesota sports prop bets when we come back. The Mackie and Judge Show will continue in a moment. Do you understand? On 1500 ESPN.